0: Leora, alongside her husband, Eli, helped lead the youth group, the high school youth group here at FFM. They also helped lead the young adults group that we have as well. Leora, thank you so much for all that you do here at FFM. We really appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and enjoy a free drink at the Cross Culture Cafe. And Eli, I'm sorry, I just had to pick the better Schwartz. Maybe I'll pick you next time. Well, church family, that's all we have for this week's segment of FFM News. Thanks for watching and enjoy the rest of the service.
1: Amen. So there you go. Let's give Leora another hand. Great. Thanks, Leora. Again, I want you to stop by the Connect Center outside. Uh, Appreciate uh, Miss Lori Slaughter and her team. And as they're getting ready to help us invite people to our Christmas services, make sure that you pick these up to pass out. It's so good uh, and those things. So amazing, amazing time. Again, one more time for our decorating team. Thank you. Come on. God bless going to play into all of our messages over the next few weeks and so we hope that you'll receive these wells. By the way, if you're wanting to take some family Christmas pictures for your Christmas cards, you're welcome to do it up here on stage in front of any of the trees and those things. You do that, uh, it'll be great. It might be another way for people to see the same thing. What if like a hundred families sent out Christmas cards with that in the background? Everybody's like, where did they take these pictures? Oh, my church where Jesus is celebrated. It's so good, right? Like I just, I'm just saying, like, um, I saw, wh- what football coach was that? No, it was, uh, it was the Celtics basketball, head basketball coach. Did you guys hear his interview? This was legit. So evidently, the royal, part of the royal family from Britain is in America doing a tour and seeing our great, beautiful country and still licking their wounds over us, whooping them. Sorry, my people from England and the UK. I know you watch. I love you. Um, but they were at the Celtics game. And so afterwards, that one of the reporters asked the Celtics coach, um, so what did you think about the royal family being in the gym today and watching? And he was like, the royal family? And they said, Yeah, the royal family. He said, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? I like this guy. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know any other royal family other than that one. And I was like, okay. Now, years ago, I was a huge Celtics fan because of Larry Bird and, you know, uh, Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish and Danny Ainge. And, you know, you remember that, you know, when the NBA was fantastic, when, when the Celtics and the Lakers used to run and gun and go, that's when you could watch basketball and it was good. And, and, and I'd kind of given up. I I, I, think I'm in, I think I'm a Celtics fan. Anyway, sorry. Uh, you can watch it later. It was a very, Tim showed it to me this morning. I was like, dude, that is epic. Uh, anyway, uh, maybe some of you follow the royal family from England and those things. I think it's a unique part of history and that kind of stuff too, so don't get offended. I am going to ask you, the whole eldership team is going to ask us as a church to be praying for the Schwartz family. Uh, many of you may have known uh, uh, or haven't heard yet, but uh, Mr. Fred Schwartz went to be with Jesus yesterday. And uh, there's a part of us all that know him very well and are, are sad about that. And uh, there's a part of us that know him very well and a little jealous about that. Um, he's with the, the Lord Jesus now. And um, I, Mr. Fred and his wife were always very kind to me. And uh, they would often come over here and eat uh, brunch, lunch, breakfast after they drove their bus routes. And and I would be over there in a meeting. And Mr. Fred would always walk up to the table and say, how's Don today? And uh, so... um, I want to pray for them and their family, and we will have some updates about services and things that are happening. Also, the Kemp family is having another service there for one of their loved ones that's gone home this week. So there's a lot to do in those things. We want to serve everyone as we can, uh, but everybody knew the Schwartz family, very, very, very uh, affluent in this area, served this area for years, Lake Area, Youth for Christ, uh, all the things, uh, and so... Uh, our church is dedicated to serving the family any way we need. Um, the service may be here this week. We are not 100% sure, just because we want to make sure there's enough room. Uh, Kemp's service is here on Wednesday also. So uh, we want to pray for us as a team and everyone as we're serving. So we're just asking that for you. Amen? Uh, a lot going on. Amen? So with that, let's turn our attention to Isaiah chapter 9 and begin our journey. Everybody say, let's begin. Come on, let's begin. And here we go to Christmas. How many of you excited about Christmas? Yeah. Come on, I, I know it's exciting. Uh, you know, and, and the way everything failed this year, uh, my wife was really excited because you know at Thanksgiving we got to get the tree down and, and get started on the tree a little earlier. Like she likes to get it around Thanksgiving, but I don't often have the time to do that. And uh, I'm busy hunting, and I'm sorry, I'm just uh, working. Um, and anyway, um, that guy. Uh, maybe some of who got your tree up before Thanksgiving. Amy Gosho, Gosho, did you get your tree up before Thanksgiving? Yeah, Amy had her tree up when they moved in. When they came back from their honeymoon, Amy put her tree up. She was... (laughs) I remember, I mean, it's like 80 degrees outside, and Amy's posting on Instagram, got the tree up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Some of you people are crazy. Some of you people are crazy. She's got her own house now, Mom. You put the tree up as early as she wants to. Christmas is a great season, and we want to focus on the traditional ideas of Christmas with a non-traditional look at the story so that we get a glimpse of the heart of God, which is the title of this whole series. The heart of God at Christmas. Today we're going to open up with hope, and I want you to watch this ancient prophecy from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Let's just start there. And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Do you guys remember the Christmas story where the the Bible says that the wise men followed the light? Come on. And those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, the wise men and all the people and those things, uh, it, it gets there, right? A light has shone on them. You have multiplied the nations and you have increased its joy and they are rejoicing before you as with the joy at harvest. As they are glad when they are divided the spoils. So for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battles, and every great garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of the government of His peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord, of the host, will do this. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... I hope you grab the end of that prophecy with something that's very powerful. Obviously, the most famous part of that prophecy is, For unto us a child is given, for unto us a son is given. That's the idea of Christmas and those things. But don't negate the very last war, very last aspect of it. The Bible says, For the zeal of the Lord... Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but zeal is a crazy thing. It makes, it's it it's encouraging, it's, it's energetic, it is addictive, right? You see people have got a lot of zeal. My, my wife's little dog, every time she gets a bath, uh, a bath, she, after the bath, and you dry her off as best you can, she, got, she gets a case of the zoomies. And, I mean, off she goes, around the house, 500 miles an hour, like, that's going to fix anything. And anything and everything, she can rub on, roll in, watch and just act. Cr- I mean, you would think the dog was on drugs. <laughs> There's a zeal in her that is hilarious and it's funny and it, you want to catch it. You want to be a part of it. And so I'll often tell my wife as I've got the towel on the dog, I'm like, get your phone ready because you know what's about to happen. Get, you got to videotape this. And so here she's all videotaped. We're ready to capture it. Cause you want to be a part of it. Now she's not unhappy. She just got the zoomies. Is that what you call them? And gone like the zeal. Like when I see something that says the zeal of the Lord, I'm thinking about the, this push, this excite, this happiness, this joy that's happening. And in this room this morning, I felt a little apprehension. Did you feel it? it? We always feel it at the beginning of the season. Some of us don't have our Christmas tree up yet. And there are reasons. Maybe we're busy. Maybe that's not our tradition. Maybe our heart isn't quite into the season yet. But the season is upon us nonetheless. And we can see the evidence of it all around us. Hello, somebody. Come on. The trees, are, the retail's ready. They, come on, the stores are ready for the season. The music is playing, I mean, instantly, right? Like 500 million times a day. And there's those funny songs that you can't wait to hear either, right? Like uh, the reindeer running over relatives and, and you you laugh because you all know you got that one relative that you're hoping. And if you didn't laugh and your relative laughed, you probably it. You know that's the truth. Watch out. And in Michigan, come on. Like, you don't have to run over a deer. They just run you over. Never more evident, that song, than the reality of living in Michigan. Can I ask us something, though, right? Like, what would, what would be something? Does, does somebody in your family, people you love, somebody you think about, do they, I, hey, what, what do you want for Christmas? You ever hear that? Yeah, like that question, and, and maybe you've thought about it. Maybe, maybe you're like Amy, right? Like you're in the Christmas mood in July. You already got the tree up, and you know what's going on in the tree. Colton doesn't know what he's buying her for Christmas, but she already does. <laughs> Just say Merry Christmas, sweetheart. Colton, that's all I'm going to tell you. Merry Christmas. What? When you think about something maybe that you want for Christmas, it's is our tradition, and I'm not trying to be materialistic, I'm just saying I'm speaking into what is reality in the culture, right? Like, what would be something that would exceed your expectation? Oh, come on. Like, what Christmas gift would there be under the tree for you that would make this Christmas extra extraordinary? Maybe it's not a thing. What would it be? But maybe it is a thing. And what is it that you want most? Come on, somebody. What is it that you want most? What is that one desire you hope that is wrapped in a box? Or maybe it won't fit in the box and they just have to wrap it. Come on, come on. I got a couple of Christmas presents I stole out from underneath our tree at the house. like, yeah, I wonder. No. I wonder I'm not going to tell you what's in these boxes. But I'm just saying, if there was a Christmas present under the tree that would exceed your expectation, like what would it be? What would it look like? Like what would it be in the box? Like Ronnie Eldridge, help me out, my friend. These two boxes are on your Christmas tree. And, and, and they don't have a name on them, but you get to pick the one you want. Now, let me, let me ask you, we, just be honest. Just, I want you to be honest. Okay. Which which are you picking, Ronnie? Yeah, he, Ronnie's taking the one in my left hand. Now, Katie, do you, you believe he would take that one? Yes, he would. Now, Katie, Katie would, you, would you pick this one? You see, here's what happens. You don't know what's either in either one of these presents, right? But to exceed expectations, you're like, oh, oh boy, oh, boy. You know, one of them says she went to Cabela's, and the other one said he went to Jared. <laughs> one of them says American freedom, and the other one says lifelong commitment. <laughs> Come on! What would exceed expectations? What would it be like? I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting that. Here's the truth: no matter what would be in either one of those packages, the end result is what hope. While that box might look like it came from Cabela's. What's inside of it might not be anything from Cabela's at all. The truth of the matter is what came from Jared could have been put in this box and there could be a gift card to Cabela's in that box. My point is, no matter where you're at, the point of that is hope. Hope. That's where it's at. And I hope you have fun with the Christmas season, enjoying each other, celebrating each other. And let the hope of Christ in that moment. Because hope is an incredible gift. Come on, somebody. It's an incredible gift, especially to many of us who are facing loss, disappointment, Hope is a gift in times of difficulty. Hope is a gift in moments of anxiety. I often tell tell people all the time who have no hope, if I can just get you in a room. Let me help you see what you can't. Come on, church. And for many people, you might be one of them, the idea of loss and disappointment and difficulty and anxiety, this season intensify and, and it just make it amplifies those feelings. The truth is the holiday season with all of its tinsel and trees, come on. It can easily distract us from what really matters. Come on. And it's the birth of Christ. And so during our celebration and our journey, I want you to be prepared to have an intense encounter with hope and peace and joy. I want you to be prepared to have an intense encounter with love, because they're all at the heart of Christmas. The prophet Isaiah, he's writing one of the most classic of all Old Testament prophecies about the birth of Christ. What we don't often understand is that the moment he's writing this, it's a moment that's a moment of gloom and doom and darkness. And he's writing about hope. As he's writing this, he's writing in a world that has fallen and felt the full weight of sin. All of creation has, has been wrecked. Chaos is is expanding in ways that is incredible. And Isaiah offers the Jewish people something they need more than anything. The greatest gift you can give anybody. And that is hope. We just came out of a marriage sermon series, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are times and difficulties in marriages that you lose hope and you don't have the ability to see the future, and you need someone in your life that can give you hope. Uh, If you're sick and you're going through treatments and those particular things, right, hope is the thing you want to hear from the doctor. This is the greatest gift we can give anybody. And let me share with you, as we start our journey, the greatest principle of the idea of everything we're going to talk about is that the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of all of them. The birth of Christ is the fulfillment of hope, and, and it is a fact that still remains today in our life. I want to say this to us. We can learn a lot. We can really learn a lot about having hope, By watching the way children embrace Christmas. In their mind it's simple. It's not complicated. Nothing says hope. Like a Christmas list that a child has written. Come on. And if it were not true it wouldn't be so popular to write Santa... A letter. Hello, somebody. Nothing says hope than watching a child write a Christmas list or reading a Christmas list that a child has written. Doug's mom told me a story one time of little Doug. And she says, Pastor Don one of little Doug's favorite things to do around Christmas was to write a Christmas list. And every year of all the children, Doug would produce a Christmas list like nobody else. He would have a list, and on his list would be creative things and thoughtful things, and and we often wondered, what will he be when he grows up? And now I understand why his list would be so creative, because he's an engineer. He thinks different than everyone else. And so his list would be, uh, you know, it would have some normal children's things on it, and and then it would have some non-normal Christmas gift ideas. And she said, one year, I read little Doug's Christmas list. And I'm going through and I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the one that would be like, Why would a child ask for this? And she says, I got about three quarter ways through the list, and there it was right on the list. What would you like for Christmas? Doug had written, A banana. She said, usually I don't question Doug about his lists, But I couldn't help myself because of all the years that I've received a Christmas list from little Doug. He'd never asked for a piece of fruit. So I went to Doug and said, why? Why, why, Doug? Why would you ask for a banana? And she said, he just simply looked at me and said, mom, I can ask for anything, can't I? And she said, you certainly can. And she says, for the next three weeks, as our family celebrated the season and got ready for Christmas Day, every day little Doug would show up and he would talk to me about his banana. And she said, I thought to myself... He's not going to remember that because of all the other gifts that he's going to get on Christmas Day. And so all the other things are happening. And she said, as the day got closer, I thought, no, no, I know little Doug. And he's going to think about it. Because he has talked to me every day about his banana. He never mentioned anything else he had on his list. And so she thought, I had better make sure that little dog gets his banana. And she said, on the day, on the day when all the crits were opening up the presents and, and paper was everywhere, bows were everywhere, toys were everywhere, things were everywhere, PJs were everywhere, she said, you could see that Doug was anticipating, waiting, and longing, but had not yet received his banana. Until he found the one box. And upon looking at the box, it had his name on it. And opening the box, there Doug found, contained in that box, the very fruit he wanted. And she says, so a new Christmas song was added to our family that year. Because Doug left all of his other toys on the floor. He grabbed his banana and began to skip down the hall and sing, Yes, we have the banana. His hope was fulfilled. Little Doug. You see, here's the deal. What you hope for and what would be a big deal to you might not make any sense to someone else. But that's the nature of hope. And I think of all the gifts Doug should get at Christmas this year (laughs) would be bananas. Bananas. Now, listen to me. Please don't send me any emails. Because, yes, I made the whole thing up. And I got Doug's permission beforehand. Can we just enjoy <laughs> a story? But he will eat bananas. You see, hope is just that, though. It doesn't have to make sense to you what other people hope for. Because no one's living where you're at. No one's experiencing the darkness that you're experiencing. But Christmas comes and doesn't leave anybody out because the gift of Christmas is hope for everything, everybody and every situation. We can learn a lot from children about the hope they have at Christmas and the joy that fills their life because the true reason there is hope at the heart of Christmas is not because of gifts, but it's because of the birth of Christ. His arrival on earth is the fulfillment of a prophecy spoken hundreds of years before it ever happened. But yet this prophecy is the most shared scripture during the season. Hello, somebody. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is given. The backdrop, 740 years before the birth of Christ. You know what the backdrop was? I'm going to bless you. Poor leadership. The people of Israel had lived under the reign of ungodly leadership. They had lived under the reign of Uzziah and, 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 and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah. And they, those were corrupt leaders that had led them far, far from God. And they had found themselves because of poor leadership in a very dark time in history. And so in that moment, Isaiah writes the words knowing that God would have to intervene in order to bring Israel back to himself. And he would have to do it supernaturally. This passage to me is important because it makes two statements. The knowledge, number one, of the brokenness and darkness that surrounds us because of the the corruption of sin. And, And number two, it's the hope of a dawning light, the birth of a child who would one day make everything right. Come on, come on. And it was so important for hope Because what this passage did in those moments was help the Jewish people understand that God, God had not forgotten them. Do you know why Christmas is important for you and I as believers to celebrate? Listen, don't come to me and bark about me with all the things that Jesus wasn't born in December. I get it. The sheep were still in the field and maybe it was in June who knows but here's another thing who cares if you're so caught up on the month he's born that you can't see why he was born now I understand why you're struggling as a hopeless person there's no command in the scripture to celebrate Christmas there's no command not to when your birthday comes around hello somebody What's happening? We're going to have a party? Like, I don't want to get caught up in those things. I want you to understand the hope that God is trying to give us. Because, see, here we are. Here we are, people who need to know. This world needs to know God has not forgotten us. And it's easy to sit in our struggle and our discouragement and often wonder, has God forgotten us? It's so important to not forget that, that Matthew reminds us. In Matthew chapter 1, after we talk about the, the the genealogy of Christ, he begins to connect all of this to the prophetic writing of Isaiah about what happened in a manger in Bethlehem. And he says this in verse 22 and 23, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, it's so important at Christmas to remember that God has hasn't forgotten us and God believes it's so important that his name actually declares, I haven't forgotten you, I am with you. And so here's a Jewish young man who is presented with a very difficult situation. He's engaged to be married. But the woman that he's engaged to be married to is, 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 is pregnant. And, and so he wants to put her away in the sense that, you know, it appears that his bride-to-be has been unfaithful. But an angel of the Lord came and spoke to him in a dream. It's a tangent it has nothing to do with Christmas, but God will speak in dreams. The Old Testament opens up with no less than three times God speaking to people in dreams. Unfortunately, so will late night pizza and too much Pepsi. All of this takes place to fulfill the prophecy from the Old Testament, which claimed that there would be a child born as a light. Come on, church. In darkness for hope Can I say that the presence of darkness is really what threatens our hope? Is that OK? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. yep. The center of the Christmas story is focused squarely on the birth of Christ, and he's the fulfillment of the hope that Israel had. He, he is the one who come in the midst of the backdrop of all of this struggle. And so I say to us that one of the reasons Christmas resonates in our hearts is because we too live in a world similar. We too live in a world with poor leadership. And you can name it whatever you want to. But because of it, many of us know what it's like to feel surrounded by Darkness. Many of us know what it's like to allow disappointments and mistakes and failure and sin rob us of hope. Come on. Am I talking to somebody today? You must be, I must be because you're quiet. It's hard to have hope when all you can see is darkness. Uh, hello? Hello? And so all of us, regardless of where we're at or what we're going through, we all are in need of, of light to push uh, back the darkness that is surrounding us in the world that we live in. Christmas reminds me that whatever I hope for, it's available through Emmanuel. Come on, church. Whatever you're hoping for, whether you're hoping for healing, it's available through Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Whether you're hoping for deliverance, it's available through a God who is with you. Whatever you're hoping for, maybe you're hoping to be restored in in some area of your life. It's, It's available to a God who is with you. Maybe you are not that complicated and all you just want in your life is forgiveness. You want to be free of guilt and shame and condemnation. And you could care less about anything else other than forgiveness. And let me say this to you this morning, because Christ was born. Because a babe came, born in a manger, and then grew up as a man and died on a cross. Uh, Forgiveness is available to you, to wash you and cleanse you this morning. Hope is available to you, not because God is somewhere else, but because He's with you. Maybe you just want a fresh start. And you don't think it's possible because what has happened to you in your life, the world condemns you for it. Religion condemns you for it, and you can't find a space to even feel like God being anywhere close to you, much less being with you. Christmas proves that hope is not the result of the absence of conflict, church. Hope's not the, it's not the result of the absence of difficulty. It's, it's not the result of the absence of, of struggle or trial. Hope is the result of the very presence of God. Can I say this? Hope doesn't increase because favorable circumstances have come. Hope doesn't decrease. Because unfavorable circumstances have come. Hope is greater than both of those things. Hope resides in a person. It's in the person of Christ. And so in the midst of the deepest, darkest pain, in the midst of the greatest loss, overflowing hope comes to us. That's the gift of Christmas. Can I say that it's natural to have doubts? I'm the pastor and I love you and I've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you've given me the privilege to lead us as God is leading us in those things. And I just, I just want to be natural and normal to you. I don't, I don't want to blow smoke around here or act like something I'm not. There are times when I have doubts. Come on, Lord, what is happening? I'm not talking about doubting my salvation or the finished work of the cross. That has nothing to do with, that's a different conversation. Though he slay me. Hello, somebody. One of the greatest doubts you can have is the goodness of God. And something happens that causes us to doubt that God is good. Can I say that it's not abnormal to be scared? I'm scared, Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen. Where are we going to be? How are things going to work out? This was not what I expected. It was not what I was planning for. And that can cause confusion and frustration. Y'all better help me. I can't be the only one. You know what? I have resolved to understand it actually means I'm human. And because I'm human, that's exactly why God sent Christ. I'm the type of human that Jesus was born for. On my absolute worst day, Christ is God's greatest gift to me. Come on, church. A light shining through darkness. Can I say that hope's a lot like a lighthouse? Come on, Michigan, we understand them. They guide us through uncharted waters. They, they guide us through the unknown or dangerous territory. Hope hope's not only help, helps us, but when we share it with others, it, it, it overflows out of our heart. Into their lives. And Matthew, Matthew's not done. He's not done convincing us that Christmas, the birth of Christ, is, is hope to us. He's not done sharing with us that the birth of Christ is light into a dark world. In Matthew chapter 5, watch this. He says, you're the light of the world. Now he's talking about the people the light is shined on. And he's saying, you, you who hope in Christ, you who understand what hope is about, you're the light of the world. A city set on the hill can't be hidden. Not does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But we put it on a lamp stamp so it gives light to all who are in the house. And so then he says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Can I say this to us, church? During Christmas time, the Christmas tree can't be the brightest thing in our life. No fake tree should outshine us. You are a lighthouse to a broken and lost world, a world who is living in gloom and doom and darkness where if you turn on the news, the only thing they're sharing with you is about how it's all going to be over. I almost said something else. (laughs) (laughs) They're not giving you hope. It's not their job. And if they could, the hope that they would offer you isn't hope at all. It's agenda-based. But thank God that His only agenda is to love us and reconcile us to Himself. That's the hope of Christmas. And so we should let the hope of Christ shine through us to brighten the lives of those around us so that they look at us and say, what on earth is going on? Have you ever been woke up in the middle of the night with a bright light? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you do is like, whoa, what is happening? Awesome. <laughs> I, I got up, I, I, I did one time. I, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Yeah know <laughs> it's two o'clock in the morning or something like that. And I come out the house is dark. I come back in the bedroom. And I just flipped on the light, and I'm like, hey, uh, you okay? Um, I almost met Jesus that morning that's what happens what's going on what is going on that's what they should be asking and that gives you the opportunity to say the presence of God has come to give you hope the presence of God has come to give you hope See, the hard part about hope is that it often takes longer than we would like to be fulfilled. And so, like the Jewish people, it requires patience. Did you hear? The last part of the reading today was, how long are you willing to wait? Come on. We were just out west on a great trip and um I had never spent a lot of time in South Dakota um I was looking forward to to being to do that we we moved through South Dakota right into the edge of southeast uh, Montana and so Wyoming and South Dakota and Montana's right there and listen if you've ever been there you understand it's beautiful right um there's those trees there's no trees <laughs> It's and you the horizon is around you, we were in Montana, and Devil's Tower in Wyoming, you might be familiar with that was fifty miles away, and we could see it. That's how it was just so beautiful, and it was just open prairie lands and and uh, man, how beautiful was that? Well, in the southwest, there's a particular plant that grows that's called uh, uh, Agave Americana, there's a common name for it called the century plant. And it thrives in very rocky and dry and mountainous desert locations. And, and it grows leaves that splay out to almost a foot wide And, and those things. We've got a picture, I think. Show, show this thing. It's called a century plant. You might be familiar with it. And it grows out southwest because it loves that area and the 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 dry climate you would think nothing can grow here but this thing can grow and and as it grows it can reach a diameter of of about 12 feet and sometimes the plant itself will be six foot tall it looks like a a a giant um we call aloe vera plant you know that plant you have that you put on burns or those type of things that's that's what it looks like except it's got a point on the end of it you can like stab your eye out with it or something So you see this lady in the background, and this plant is huge. Now, here's the interesting thing about this plant that only grows out there. It's got a really unusual reproduction cycle. If you own one of these plants on your property, you, you might be very interested to watch it because it takes 20 to 30 years in its reproduction cycle. For 20 or 30 years, this plant will remain just like that picture you saw. And so maybe once in your lifetime, it will bloom. And all of a sudden, when it's time for this, that's why it's called a century plant, because once in your lifetime, it will bloom. And when it begins to bloom, all of a sudden, it will put a stalk on in the center of it, the size of a tree-sized asparagus sprout. And it will grow as much as 7 inches a day. And it will keep growing during the cycle until it reaches 20 or 30 feet tall. And at the apex of its height, all of a sudden it will put on beautiful yellow clusters of flower. I think we have another picture of this. There it is. And it's, it's amazing to see this thing. But see, if you own one, the hope of it is what? That during your lifetime, it will do that. And that you will get to see it. My wife and I, 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 I brought home uh, in the floral department at the grocery store one day, the lady was going to throw away some Venus fly traps. You guys familiar with those? And uh, some of them, they were poor and unhealthy, and she was just going to chunk them out. And so I brought one home, and Melinda re- and T.T. might remember this. I brought one home, and we nursed that thing back to health. And, and it grew, and it put, on, it put on a lot of the little traps. And, and every once in a while, the kids would feed it a fly, or they would take pieces of hamburger meat, and they would flee. You don't have to feed it. Because when you do, that particular trap dies and, and it has to start that old. But this thing, oh man, it just grew and grew and it got on all these traps on it. It was crazy. Now, I, I called myself an outdoor person and I thought I knew a lot about stuff. But I did not know that every once in a great while, that plant will also put on a bloom. You remember that? It did the same thing as that thing. It put on a sprout, and that thing got so tall, and all of a sudden there were flowers. I said, I had no idea they did that. I thought, they were, I thought that, you know, it was always me, that if they were the size of a human, they would eat me. I don't know. You know, like... But see, that's the hope if you own a plant like that, is that one time during your lifetime, you might get to see it bloom. And people have literally passed these plants down. In their families, because they didn't get to see it bloom. And people will share that. Here's the deal why I share that picture with you because some of the greatest answers to our hoping and longing take time and patience in order to see the beauty of what God wants to do. Isaiah saw the hope of the Messiah in the future and that God would bring a great light of salvation. But it wasn't until hundreds of later that Matthew actually records the birth of Christ. Come on, church. So Jesus is the very presence of God among us. And he offers forgiveness of sin. And and he offers destruction of evil. And he, he offers the promise of eternal life. Can I just say this? Of all the scriptures we could read during Christmas, why would we read this one? Why? It's because seeing the faithfulness of God in the past gives us deep and abiding hope in the present and an unwavering trust for the future. And Paul knew that that was very important. And he writes in Romans chapter 15, watch this, for whatever is written in the former days is written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scripture we might have hope everything written in the past, all the prophecies, everything written down, it's meant to teach us how to hold on to faith in God. It is. And and, and to believe that God is wanting to answer our prayers. What is written is is meant to give us endurance and encouragement that we might have hope, that we might have hope. And so I think it's important to revisit the the Old Testament prophetic words and, and to see how they come to pass. It's because it, it reminds us of how God can be trusted to come through when we don't have hope. when it's hard in our greatest time of need to believe that God will do it. What has God done? Come on, church. What has God done? Let's look back over. What has God said? And then to hear God himself say, have I not said it? And have I not spoken? And shall I not bring it to pass? That's the word of the Lord. And so at the heart of Christmas and on our journey is hope. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Distraction. In the midst of that distraction, here's our reminder. Come on. And you guys ever listen to James Dobson? Man, I I remember coming home from work every evening from Panama City to home. I had about a 40, 45-minute drive uh, home from work every afternoon. And um, uh, James Dobson's radio uh, show would be on. Focus on the family. And focus on the family was telling a story. It was a 30-minute broadcast, and they were telling a story about a woman and um, her name was Stella Thornhope, of all things. And the story goes like this Miss Stella Thornhope was sh- struggling with Christmas. She's an older lady and. It was her first Christmas without her husband. He had died just a few short months prior because of a battle with cancer. And several days before Christmas, she had not decorated the house or put the Christmas tree up. And she was hoping that some family would come and see her. And a huge snowstorm happened and it snowed everyone in and... So no one could get out, and there she was, going to be all alone for Christmas. Late that afternoon, as she sat in her chair, the doorbell rang. And she was feeling terribly alone, and so she was excited, hoping that maybe one of the family had come by to see her for Christmas. And so she goes to the door, And there's a delivery man there, and he says, Are you Mrs. Thornhope? And she says, I am. And he said, Well, I have a package I need you to sign for. And she said, Come in, come in out of the cold. And so he he stepped into the house, and um, he said, I need you to sign this uh, for me so that I can give you this package. And so she signed the paper, and and then she says, Well, what's in the box? And the young man laughed, and, and he opened up the flap, and he reached down into the box, and there was a little golden retriever puppy. And he hands this puppy to Mrs. Thornhope. And he says, This is for you? And then he picked up a book titled, How to Care for Your Labrador Retriever. And he said, this is also for you. And this puppy is squirming in her arms. And, and the, the delivery man says, I need you to understand, even though he's, he's only uh, you know, a puppy and he's very little, he's already housebroken and everything happens. And, and so she looks at him holding this puppy, squirming in her hands, not wonder, understanding what is happening. She says, who said this to me? And so the young man took the puppy out of her hand, seeing that she was struggling, and, and he puts the puppy down, and he hands her another envelope, and he says, Ma'am, this envelope will explain everything. What I need you to understand is that this puppy was purchased for you while his mother was still pregnant. And this letter has been left at the kennel who raised the the mom and the puppies to be delivered to you on this day. And she opened up the letter, and it was a letter from her husband. And the letter read, my love, I bought this puppy for you as my last Christmas gift to you. And it was full of love and encouragement to be strong. And it ended with a vow that he says, from now until you make it to heaven, enjoy the puppy and I'll be waiting for you. Her husband had purchased this puppy for her in his sickness, knowing he wouldn't be there for Christmas. So that his wife wouldn't be alone. To give her hope. To keep her company. And so she, like many of us, reading a story like this, wiped away tears, put the letter down, looked at the puppy at her feet. And looked outside and saw the Christmas lights and heard a Christmas song playing in the background on the radio. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And suddenly, Miss Thornhope, Stella, she felt this most amazing sensation of hope. And it just washed over her body. And she felt the joy and the wonderment of a, of a great uh, uh, move of grief and loneliness from her life. And she looks at the little dog and she says, little fella, it's just you and me. But you know what? There's a box downstairs in the basement that's got a little bitty Christmas tree in it. And I think you're going to like it. And there's some lights and some decorations. And there's one more thing that I think will impress you. There's a manger scene. Let's go get it. You see, church, our God is always right on time. And He knows exactly what we need, and He can be trusted to reveal the light of Christmas in order to push back the darkness in our lives. And I want to say to you as we begin this Christmas journey, I want to say to you this. In a land full of deep darkness, because of Christmas, a light has indeed come. And let me ask you some questions as you and I begin this journey together. Questions I hope that you'll meditate on this week. As your family prepares and works through the Advent season. How would you divine hope in your own words? How is the birth of Jesus the fulfillment of long-awaited hope in your life? Why is it so hard for us to wait on God to move in our lives? How, during this season, has God been faithful to you? And how does the Christmas season strengthen your trust in Him? I want to invite you to stand with me in this place this morning. And I want to say to you this morning that in this place, you can express your hope in God by bringing to Him the things that weigh heavy on your heart during this season. You can bring them to this altar, and He will meet you there. Let you me to tell you why He will meet you there because His name is Emmanuel, He is God with you. And the hope of Christmas shined by the light of Christ should set our hearts to a place where we can look to Him once again and trust Him. I have hope in areas we could not have hope before. I'm going to pray, and if you want to come, you are welcome. If you want to worship, Worship with us for a minute. Father, we are in this room today because we need hope. We need the hope that you are faithful. We need the hope that you have provided in your son Jesus. And so we are asking in this moment that the light of his life will shine into our li- lives as we lift our heads to you. And that out of all the trees that we will see, that are adorned with lights this season, thank you, Lord, the greatest tree a tree that has a manger at its feet what we offer you the areas of our lives where we need your presence we trust you today for our very lives and we look forward to seeing how you come through and I say to you this morning in this place Jesus thank you for the hope that can only come from you Thank you for showing us the heart of Christmas. Hallelujah. But well, if you want to come and spend some time at the altar with the Lord. we worship with us for a minute. No matter how the darkness comes, light instantly always dispels it. All those years ago, a people in darkness saw a light. And men that we call wise followed it. And they followed it until they found you. And I pray that for this Christmas season, that as your light shines, that we would be a people who are committed to following it. Until we find you, Lord. Let this Christmas be a Christmas full of hope. As the light of Christ comes. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, turn around, and tell your neighbor the heart of God is hope.